0: Hello and welcome back to Portrait of an Editor. I am Francis Lombard. Here's the third conversation I had while at New York Comic Con 2022. This time I talked with TKO's editor-in-chief, Sebastian Gerner. It was in January of 2021, actually, uh, that we last talked, so we had some things to catch up on. In addition to today's new chat, there are three previous interviews with Sebastian still available for free, uh, so just go through the long catalog I have out there of interviews and you'll be able to find those three other uh, older interviews I did with Sebastian. So enjoy them all. So Sebastian, it's been a while. You know, I think the last time we talked was 2019. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to catch up. it's no, um, great, yeah. You know, yeah. your Comic-Con 2019? Yeah. it's like a long time ago. And here we are, 2022. I mean, I know I haven't probably on the podcast talked a lot about TKO, but ever since you guys launched and we started talking, really have believed in what you were trying to do as a publisher. And just before we started recording, you mentioned something about you're four years in, the new car smell is off. <laughs> and I was just talking with somebody yesterday about how it's a, uh, a marathon, not a sprint. So with four years in... And here you are, back here, the industry, this place is packed, you know, for a, already a Saturday before noon. How's it, How? what is, what's things looking like for TKO? Because you guys have been still busy doing things since we last talked. Yeah, absolutely. But,
1: um, I feel, standing here now, I feel really excited. Um, not just about, you know, near Comic-Con being back. It's great to see, you know, old and new faces and, and just catching up with so many artists and and friends that you've been in touch with kind of just email, social media for the past three or four years. Because I really realized that like going to New York and a couple of other shows once a year, there are friends I have, colleagues and creators that I love that I only ever see at cons. And the, like re-experiencing the isolation that we all felt during COVID is, um, is pretty heartening. Just to see how everyone got through it. People are still making comics. Um, as far as TKO goes, the last time we spoke, 2019, that was just our one-year anniversary. We yeah. had just put out our second wave of books, um, and then Covid happened, and the industry is you know, forever changed. Uh, I think we're seeing the last year, we saw things opening back up again, obviously conventions are going again. TKO, you know, had to change as well. Um, I think that our our novel business uh, model Vengefully, saying, doing all of our own distribution, um, not going through the direct market. You know that almost kind of became a self-fulfilling prophecy. I think the direct market has changed a lot. Um, yeah. of the bigger publishers going outside of Diamond, having their own distribution now, where even Simon and Schuster, I think, went Random House for the start, you know, filling in monthlies. Um, but just in general, I think TKO was. A bit ahead of its time at the time, and I think that we were really stress tested over the course of COVID in terms of um, because we binge released all of our books, we were able to continue to sell because we didn't go through Diamond, we were able to continue to fulfill. You know, uh, we were able to help a lot of comic book shops in the first year uh, by just setting up, you know, a fairly kind of modern e commerce. um, where, you know, if you bought a comic book a site, we would send a comic book store that you tagged um, the same amount they would have made, you know, had they sold their brick and mortar. And we've continued to just kind of, like, explore the market, explore comics, um, and it's ever-changing. I mean, there's really no... we haven't had a chance to breathe. Um, and I think no one has, um, you know, the... Well, the pace That's... has been pretty hectic, the pace has been unsettling, and I think that what I do really like about offer, being able to offer creators at of TKO is just like a sense of, uh, if not normalcy, a sense of security, or like, you know, for the time that we are working on a book, you know, 12 months, 16 months, just anywhere in between, you are going to be working full time on this project, we are going to you know, do our darnest to make sure that it comes out highest quality and, and across the board. Our print production is really excellent. The books we have going to print now, I really cannot wait for people to see what we have in store. We've got our first hardcovers coming out um, later this year. Uh, Sarah and Sentient are two, one of our two perennial bestsellers, and uh, what our team has done with those, I think, is just... We really started focusing on something that was always the core of TK, which is really high quality. You know, we don't put out as many projects as, as you know, other publishers, and I think that that's something that actually benefited us over the course of COVID, is that when we were ready to put out two or three titles at a time, bookstores, libraries, comic book shops were always there, and um, it's something that we're continuing now. I've been very busy the past couple of... You know, always busy, but... Um,
0: Oh, you haven't been able to just sit at home and watch Netflix? I have not been <laughs> able to three kick years. back so
1: much. Uh, you know, life also changes. Like, I had a kid during. Yes, congratulations. COVID, thank you so much. <laughs> and i um, starting to, you know, first time COVID. Uh, sorry, so first time Comic Con, you know, as a dad. I've got, i pick picking up for daycare soon. So it all flows, like, back into the work and the life. But, um, I think we're coming out of the stronger than ever, I'm very excited for the future, I think that the market continues to change, I think that sales figures and projections and the economy and the world political stage continues to change, but comics, you know, are a bedrock, making them, sharing them, talking to people, sharing them with creators, sharing them with readers, it's something that... You know, has gotten me through COVID. It's gotten a lot of us through, and it's something that I, you know, I'm
0: excited to continue to do for TKO. Well, one thing you guys definitely did know its all really coming back to me—is that supporting yeah. pu- uh, the stores, which is great, which also just showed that you know, even though you're saying oh, we're not going to go through Diamond and we're going to have a self-distribute, you still believed in sort of. The American market, no matter what it was, yeah, absolutely, and that retailers were, were still important to your the agenda or, or yeah. part,
1: still an important piece to TKO's success. I mean, from day one, we yeah. grew out of you know the, the bedrock, the groundswell of support from from brick and mortar comic book shops. Yeah, um, obviously, you know, as our books, you know, are. You know, the model. We're growing naturally into indie bookstores, we're uh, represented by Simon & Schuster, so we're you know, pretty much wherever books are sold at this point, libraries as well, we're very keen to kind of pick up our more, you know, younger of all ages readers' books like Jellia by Jimmy Bob, uh, My Own Scales and Scoundrels would be wonderful a lot, like you really saw us naturally kind of growing with the titles that we have and the creators that we work with into all the different spaces, because you know, certain types of books will sell better, and you know, one type of book shop or one type of comic bookshop, libraries have their own capabilities, so we want TKO to be a publisher that not just puts out really great books, but also positions them in the marketplace where they will go and do their best, um, so that our creators aren't only you know, rewarded with having a wonderful book for their time, but also knowing that the book is in the right hands and that we will market it, that we will drive attention, lies, and sales, you know, in the spaces where the readers for those books are going
0: Yeah.
1: So, you
0: also, during the time that we haven't talked, you ended up launching, like, novels, I believe, or yes. there was a new wave, but it really wasn't a wave, but you, a new approach yes. to publishing? Or a new. I know Avenue. Yes, there, uh, yes, we did. We launched
1: yeah. Tko Road, which is an imprint for uh, basically short, short format genre fiction. They're about you know 100, 120 pages, illustrated. 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 Okay. Um, that was definitely something that we were excited to do. Um, the challenges of generally COVID, um, printing, production, marketing, sales, all that stuff is. Um,
0: was that something you sort of came up to get around, made, say, like the paper shortage to still have a supply line, or was that something just always in the plan to I mean, begin with?
1: I think that that wasn't necessarily something that hurt um, our kind of pushing forward on it. I think generally as uh, readers, lovers of genre fiction, and especially noticing that for prose writers, this is like going off the comic book market, but like I'm a huge fan of like short horror novels, sci-fi. There's a whole slew of amazing writers out there, especially young writers, especially writers who may or may not, you know, you think the comic book industry is a mess. that way you get into the, the genre mm-hmm. publishing market, mm-hmm. but just to kind of try to uh, open a door. Uh, for that type of genre fiction that we also did for comics, uh, where there's just finding writers, you know, and, and giving them an opportunity to be like, hey, do you want to write something that is maybe not a full novel, it's not going to take a year of your life, or more in some cases, and maybe also something that you don't feel like you can pitch to your regular readers, you know, if you're churning out a crime book or a romance novel, every six to eight months, like some of these writers do, like maybe they want to try something else. Maybe they want to try, I don't know, uh, something science fiction-y, or a suspense movie, or something like that, like, that was, we were all very excited to kind of open that, you know, arm of TKO publishing. We did a couple of uh, titles, and I really loved working on them. And, um, you know, there's always a million things going on. It's definitely something that we are looking to you know, spend more time on in the future, and how, I'm excited to do that. How did you have to, like, sort
0: of change your approach to editing when working on that? Uh, was it new muscles that you had to sort of it build up? Definitely,
1: I felt like I'd not done this before. Like, <laughs> if you put me in front of a comic book script at this point, I kind of, you know, yeah. I'll know <laughs> my way around. i edited one or two pieces of prose as a freelance writer, and it was... It was genuinely a new experience because I was... I remember my first two or three times at Marvel as a young assistant editor editing a script and having an idea and then not being certain if I could bring this up. Like, is it okay for me to mention this? Like, is the the writer going to be mad? Um, And to kind of jump over that where ultimately I brought it back to the level of it's the story, it's the characters, it's the the internal logic and the beauty of the prose. And you can just start chipping away at it. A bit. You can just start having, you know, here's some questions about this point in the scene or at this point in the story. Uh, you know, what are these characters thinking? What do we know about them? How can we craft it? Uh, because they were both suspense pieces that I edited. There were um, One I Opened by was Rudex by Joshua Dysart, his first prose piece. That was. I was very excited to, to, to work on that. Josh was one of my favorite writers. Yeah. And, but you've worked with him before, too. I've yeah. worked with him before, and he was very excited to write some prose. And the story he pitched us uh, was... His, the backdrop is amazing. It's against the, the, the titular Brudex, is the two cicada uh, breeds that once every uh, 17 years come out at, at the same time. And against that backdrop, of these like, swarms of cicadas we have, in the 1950s, a murder mystery set on a construction site for a nuclear, like for a sort of you know, fallout shelter in the middle of nowhere. So these accidents start to happen, and all of these kind of day labor, you know, rough men are starting to wonder if they're getting picked off one by one. Mm-hmm. Um, and Josh killed it. Like I was just so excited to work on something. Well, clearly, like the writer had a passion for the story, um, but also had a passion uh, for the format. It was like finally kind of getting to live his dream of writing, you know, a prose piece. And I, you know, I hope Josh. I know you know, he's, he's working on comics all the time. But uh, just to be able to, you know, give a give an incredible writer in one medium an opportunity to write in another medium. And just break the ice on whatever insecurities you had there. Because once someone is like kind of waiting for you to hand in a draft, it just it's different. You know, Mm -hmm. I could start writing a book tomorrow, and maybe I will. But it's a lot more likely if someone is waiting for a draft in a month or two. That's a huge uh, impulse. And the other book finally got the names uh, back up and running. Alex Breslin, um, New York Times bestselling author, One Eye Open, and that's another really exciting. It's a, a folklore story uh, based on like a Danish golem type uh, figure, but also a really emotional story about loss and grief. And it was interesting. I mean, uh, Alex has you know a, a, a written several novels before. It was a lot more experienced, but even there, it was just interesting to have the conversation about the story, about, you know, the progression of the characters and the, and the chills. And because they were short, you know, 100 pages, um, it, was, it was easier for me to kind of find my footing there. Um, so it's something that I would love to continue to do, and luckily we'll have the opportunity to do with TKO Road. Um,
0: so which is easier, editing a novella or putting together a six... You know,
1: six store. I mean, a six-part comic book. <laughs> I think they're both very challenging. Uh, yeah. If I ca- if I continue to edit prose and, and novellas, I'll probably become more confident and become less second guessing myself. Uh, but for me, it's, you know, comics are. I've got the I've got the muscle memory. You know, you can <laughs> put me in front of any comic script and with any artist and anything, and I can I can probably make you make you something worth reading. But. Uh, But it's good to challenge yourself, you know, even after 13, 14 years of making comics uh, professionally and a lifetime of reading them, like, there's always something new to learn, and I think sometimes completely stepping out of, uh, you know, the realm and and going into writing and and prose, there's something to be learned there, and you you can bring it back
0: into comics and vice versa. So, um, I'm going to let you get back into Artist Alley, but... For the next year, what's going on with TKO? Is there anything you can
1: tease us about? Absolutely. <laughs> so, we're sending a lot of exciting stuff for print right now. Two things that we haven't announced yet that um, I'm very excited for. Uh, some announcements we have made is that our next wave of books will be out in the spring of 2023. Uh, three really great titles. Uh, we've got Sacred Lamb by Tim Seeley and art by the wonderful Yelena Dorgovic. That is a, a kind of meta meta horror slasher. Um, which is I think that you know, if you've never read a horror book or like never like dipped dip your your toe into the slasher, I'm hoping it'll do like a little bit like what Scream did, like revitalize that whole genre, which I think actually right now is going through a bit of a revival. Uh, I think our take on it is really great. Cool. And um, we have a historical A true story about magic by uh, Paul Farnell and a really wonderful uh, debut by uh, the young artist named Valeria Borzo called The Witches of World War II, which is uh, a true story about how a covenant of witches uh, conspired with uh, the British Secret Service to essentially take down the head of uh, Hitler's occult division, (laughs) Rudolf Hess, uh, including the founder of Wicca, uh, a woman named... uh, uh, so that was exciting to work on, it's it's it's, it's an outrageously true story, that um, yes. I'm really excited for people to read. And then uh, the third book is the sequel to uh, Lonesome Days, Savage Nights, um, by our own uh, Sal and Art by Simon Podransky, which continues the story of our uh, werewolf, private detective, yeah. neo-noir. Very violent, very yeah. exciting.
0: So when I the last time we talked, the last interview I asked you if there was gonna be a sequel to some of these books. Yes. And that one seemed to, just even the title hinted that. So that's right. You're coming it's coming back. Great, great, Absolutely. great. Looking forward yeah, to we're that looking one. Looking forward to doing more of that. <laughs> good, good, good. Well, hey, Sebastian, thank you very much. It's great catching up, catchin up and uh, looking forward to the TKO, you know what's going on in the next year. Thanks. Thank you so much. Chris.